The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. able to eventually put him down and just finish he was making the right decisions i was just a step ahead anthony lionheart smith you get to the other side believe in yourself screw everybody and what their opinions are screw it the all-american Welcome to UFC Unfiltered. I hate when I start with my glasses on, Matt. I always feel like a nerd. Um, interesting. Uh, uh, Eric Albaracin uh, is coaching uh, Cejudo, of course, uh, the great Davison Figueredo, who I picked to win, Wiley Zhang. Chan Sung Jung, and of course, Paulo Costa. It's his first appearance uh, as a guest. He did come on with Wiley during her interview. He'll be joining us, and uh, our pal Anthony Smith is coming on again, which is always nice. So I went to get my arm checked out. Okay. People are following me up asking about yes. it. Yes. The good news is no blood clots. I was worried a little because I was getting a weird feeling. You know, I had that, that yes. get a rib cut out. I know you were very nervous. No, but I wanted to make sure your shoulder was okay. Yeah, especially if they so, started blood so clots. So what I have on my shoulder is fucking arthritis, Jimmy. Doesn't that suck? Did we talk about this last time? I think I know. Hey, but even though it's more exciting about that, we got Eric in the waiting in the waiting. Coach, Coach Eric. Captain Eric. Yo, what's up, man? Hey, Eric, you don't go by coach. You go by captain, correct? That's correct. Man, I like that. I like all us guys. When I mean us guys, guys under 5'7". I like that we're taking over. <laughs> we're taking over this shit. Yes. Come on. Five foot, the the five foot two crew. Are, are you 5'2"? <laughs> <laughs> the the oh. midget mafia. <laughs> Hey, you know who's really short? ACDC. Everyone in ACDC, Angus Young, uh, Brian, they're all tiny guys. So you should listen to ACDC if you want to support shorter people. Hey, we, uh, my fighter comes out. Mark Madsen came out to ACDC's last fight. Eric, let me ask you. Captain, with, now, some guys are former fighters, former 
athletes, whatever, and other guys just have a mind for the game. Do you have a background in martial arts, or are you just a, are you just strictly studying film? Both are great. I'm not that guy that feels, oh, you have to fight the coach. Look at Ray Longo, never fought, but uh, he's a phenomenal coach. What is your background? Tell us, because you're having such success lately. As you're having such success in general, we want to know. So I, I, I come from wrestling. I'm a wrestler. I was a university national champ uh, three times. I was on the national team, Pan Am team. I lived at the Olympic Training Center for 10 years. And uh, I was also an officer, a captain in the Army. I was the officer in charge of hand-to-hand combat at Fort Carson in, uh, in Colorado Springs. So uh, that's actually where I met Henry Cejudo, was at the Olympic Training Center when he was a sophomore in high school. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's my background is uh, modern Army combatives, which was uh, the hand-to-hand combat system in the military. And and wrestling. I, I didn't know you were such a, a wrestler, accomplished wrestler. I did not know that. Yeah, I've been a wrestler my whole life. Oh, and that's where you get the captain from, is from the, uh, from the military. Funny story, I was a captain in the military, but then when I got out, Henry kept on calling me captain. I was still on high school, and he would continue to call me captain to the point where people were like, Calling the military, hey, is he allowed to call him captain? He's not in the military no more. And, and when I knew that that pissed people off, Henry started, and Henry knew it too. Henry would tell everybody to call me captain. That's kind of how it started. But to tell you the truth, three years after I got out of the military, I was recruited to coach Team Noguera uh, uh, in Brazil. And at that time, they had been a big nod, little nod, Anderson Silva. Junior Dos Santos, um, the Pitbull brothers were little pups back then. And my, the first article they did on me is they called me Captain Americas. And, that, and that's how it kind of really stuck in MMA. First, it was only Henry. But then my first article when I went to coach in Brazil uh, was the article said, Captain America comes down to train, uh, you know, the legend, Minotaur Noguera. How many years were you in the uh, military? Ten. Did you did you uh were you uh, go overseas at all? Did, were you involved in any conflict? So my my job was the officer in charge of uh, training these guys. They had to get validated and certified um, in modern army combatants before deploying. So my job was to prepare them in hand to hand combat. If there was a weapon malfunction, these guys got to know how to fight. What I enjoyed about that was. Kind of like what I enjoy about when I teach MMA to people that never wrestled before is a lot of people join the military for GI Bill for a certain reason. They're not they're not coming from a warrior like mentality, and it's our job to create that warrior ethos in them. From I mean, there's some people that maybe couldn't even run two miles and do a push up, and then you know a couple of weeks later. And, you know, we got them uh, getting takedowns and looking for arm bars and chokes and, and learning how to survive it. If, something, if their weapon malfunctions, then they have to go to hand-to-hand combat. Don't you think cops should take that too? Remember we talked to Jimmy Rivera. I think cops should, should take that hand-to-hand combat training. I, I think it, it's such a helpful tool to be able to de-escalate something and to protect yourself. And I, I think that that should be kind of uh, mandatory. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent. Every cop. I, I think the, 
it's crazy out in the U.S. and every other country is not really like that. I do a lot of traveling, and a lot of sometimes they don't even have weapons. They, you know, they they de-escalate, like you said, and and they control the situation. Kind of like what Matt did in Vegas when he took down that that drunk yeah. guy. Just like that. Yeah, yeah. Nobody got hurt. Nobody got hurt. Everybody went home. Hopefully, you didn't get in trouble. Power of a not only jujitsu but grappling, even wrestling. You know, it's it's you you don't have you can end the situation like that other ways, but you know, you hit him, you hit the floor, it, it, everybody goes. Yeah. And the best thing about that, Captain Eric, is when I tell my students, anybody that trains with me for six months can do the same thing. Like you know what I mean? For the most part. So that's what I love about about spreading the the martial arts and especially uh, jujitsu. I love that shit. Hey, it's one thing if you're dealing with People who never fought before, and you got to make sure they have that mentality. Sometimes you got a person with a mentality, with a skill set, became a champion, lost the belt. I'm talking about Figueredo. He comes by you. What do you do with him now? Like he comes by, and you're like, "All right, we know you're a beast. Wait, how do you? How did you train him for this fight? How did you get him physically and mentally different from the last time he met Brandon Moreno?" Well, I, I related it. I related it a lot to uh, when Henry lost to Demetrius Johnson. We had to really transform him uh, into becoming a better fighter. I, I took him all around the world. I went to Singapore. I went to Holland for kickboxing. We went to Thailand for uh, for Muay Thai. We went to Brazil for jujitsu. Uh, we learned karate in Brazil. I had him training with Patricia Pitbull, and uh, that's kind of really. Out of all the places, the one that really helped him the most was Pitbull Brothers in Brazil. And him and Patricio, I just know when I put those two together, it was it was like combining kerosene and gasoline. It was like they, they both got better because Patricio was all warrior. And then he had to be a competitor. It's not, you know, if you hit Patricio, he wanted to come back and take 10 punches just to hit you once. Um, you have to think about winning. And Henry was the opposite. Henry was about competing uh, and make sure he get his hand raised. And once I got Henry to become half warrior and half competitor and Patricia to become half competitor and half warrior is when it came, uh, when they both blew up and became champ champs, really. And kind of the same system I, I, we, we did with Figueredo is, man, you're, he's the god of war. But war is not just going out and, and banging. War involves tactics and strategies and subversions and intimidation and annihilation. And, and there's just a bunch of things that go into it. And that we just, we got him to be a strategist and to be smart and cue words. And, and, and the other thing was his nutrition. To tell you the truth, a lot of it came down to nutrition. His diet, because the week of the fight, in the second fight, he was 30 over. This week, he was nine over. The week out, he was nine over. 20 pounds less. And we hounded that to, down his throat for, uh, for literally 12 weeks. And I told him the story about Henry. I said, listen, Henry would always cheat uh, on his diet. But then when he lost... There was a different, he didn't have, he had a chip on his shoulder because there's a reason why Olympic champions don't come into MMA. They have to slide down a mountain and start at ground zero. 
if you're not that good in wrestling, or maybe you took an All-American fifth, sixth, and you don't have to slide down the mountain. You're not at the top of the mountain. It's a small slide. Slide down a little bit to come up. To be this high and want to go all the way down to come back again, there's not almost nobody that's willing to do that. And Henry was, but he didn't have the chip on his shoulder. He had nobody to beat him. He was on the best direct. And when he lost to Demetrius Johnson, and that means he could cheat on his diet because on Monday he could run and run it off. And then he'd really get serious about the last two weeks. And then the last week, he still had to cut 20 pounds. But when he lost to Demetrius Johnson, he stayed dead. He never cheated once on his diet. And, and that was the big difference is the, if you don't have to, if you do, if you're only losing 10 pounds to week of the fight, the cardio is going to be there. You can go all five rounds. And I told that story to Devison. And I said, you have to do this. You cannot cheat on your diet. And we're going to work on your cardio. We're going to take you to New Force One. When we took him to New Force One, he was at the absolute zero, bottom of the barrel on every test they did. Every test. And in 12 weeks, they said he surpassed everybody. They said it was the greatest camp they've ever seen. It was epic. And they've done 51 athletes, including Henry, including Pitbull, Biddle, including Paulo Costa, Olympic champion, Helen Marulis, all the wrestlers at ASU, all Olymp- a bunch of Olympians. Figueredo surpassed all of them as far as improvement in all areas. How we did it was his cardio and his nutrition and then the strategy. Cardio, nutrition, strategy, and obviously uh, the, the, the game plan. Um, he really didn't have a game plan against Brandon Moreno. He's like, I'm going to take him down and submit him. That was his game plan in the second fight. And we were like, what happens if you can't take him down? What happens if you can't submit him? And, you know, we worked on that. We just changed his whole mindset up. And, I mean, we, we put him through everything from the cardio to oxygen chambers to meal prep to mindset Mike, to I mean, so many different things that he just didn't have, and they all add up. You know, they all add up until for somebody to come in from Brazil that grew up in the Amazons to put him in this system, it was like we were making a, a superhero. Speaking of superheroes or supervillains, depending on how you look at them, you got John Jones with you now, and it's funny. You attract almost like... In a sport of bad boys, you get kind of like the baddest boys. You get like, so you got Figueroa, who's not like the villain, but of course, everybody, Brandon, you know, Marino's sitting there playing with the Legos. Everybody loves him. He's smiling. So, I mean, you got kind of the, it's almost like Figueroa's the villain. And then you got John Jones, Henry is doing his fucking uh, cringe thing. You guys are like the bad boys MMA over there. What's going on with that? The Captain's Avengers, the Captain's Villains, I guess. I don't know. Dark Avengers. I didn't think about it that way. I think, I think, uh, yeah, I can see it. I mean, I go with what Chael Sonnen says. You got to have a hero. You got to have a villain. That's the script, right? That is the script. Is Jones still, uh, is Jones still trying to get up to heavyweight? Is he still training for heavyweight? Oh, he's like 260. He's huge. What did you think about um, Gon and Ngannou? And obviously, Jones stepping in against one of those guys. If he would go against Francis right away, or if he would fight one fight at heavyweight first. I was impressed with uh, Francis Ngannou, um, that, uh, the way that he adapted and moved into wrestling. I mean, that's evolving. Adapting during the fight, that was, I thought that was really, really good, uh, the way he did that. Um, 
that I didn't get to see the whole fight because we were in the back celebrating. And Henry, or Henry, Figueredo was doing interviews. Uh, so I was trying to watch the interview and watch the fight. But I, I saw that he was doing a lot of wrestling. And I, and I loved it. I mean, I can tell you that uh, when Francis first came on the scene, we were in Denver. I think it was his first or second fight. And I saw, I noticed Townsend. And I used to tell him, hey, man, you better start wrestling. You better wrestle. I know if you're ever going to fight for the title, you better wrestle. And I, every time I'd see him in the UFCPI, I'd bring it up to him. And he would get pissed. And I, and and when he fought Steve and lost to wrestling, I was like, I'm not saying anything to him now. But he did it on his own. He went out there. Uh, kudos to, uh, you know, Eric Nixick and Extreme Couture and getting them ready and, you know, uh, having him adapt during the fight. I thought it was awesome. I don't think... Uh, I don't think he's John Jones is uh is superior in, in in the wrestling area. I can tell you that. Um, striking strategy, champion mindset. I think John Jones. I mean, he's got it all um, in in all those areas. I think he has an advantage in all areas. Yeah. Um, and by the way, were you surprised? Some people thought I thought Figueroa won the fight, but there were a lot of people that thought Moreno won. I was kind of surprised. I thought Figueroa did the most. Damage. Were you surprised that, that a lot of people thought uh, Moreno won that fight? Very surprised because of the knockdowns. In my opinion, you get a knockdown, that's it. It's 10-9. It's 10-9. I knocked you down. I mean, in, in, in boxing, it's 10-8. Uh, you can't tell me that we have a boxing, the boxing judging system of 10-9 or uh, of a 10-point system. You got boxing judges, boxing commissions, Yet uh, people were thinking that uh, after he knocked him down, uh, the other guy won. He got knocked down, I think, on th at least three times. And if you count the leg kicks, five. Yeah, he dropped it with leg kicks, yeah. But it is interesting, though, Eric, right? Because like, if some guy, and I'm not saying it in this case because I'd have to go back and watch, but if some guy's winning the whole round, gets knocked down, survives it, but it's not to the point where he's almost out, now, all right, he got he got that punch and he knocked him down, but the other guy won the four minutes and 30 seconds. It might not be in this case, but that's what some people are saying. Dean Thomas was on the other day saying, okay, I wouldn't give him, I believe it was Dean saying this, Jimmy, but uh, he was saying that I still wouldn't give him the round because Marino was winning the round. I'm just saying, what do you think about that? Somebody who's winning the round or does the majority of the, the, of the um, out, outstrikes his uh, opponent and then gets one big shot and... Is that even the playing field, or is it automatically a 10-9 then? When it's my fighter, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Eric. I mean, yeah. I just say the truth. That's how that's how that's exactly how I felt. I saw 10 as soon as I saw that knockdown in the second round, yeah. and then he went for the dar stroke. I automatically thought we are losing that round, but then after that night, all right, we won that round. Yeah. There's no doubt in my mind that we did not win that round. And then even in the fifth, the fifth round, when he got that knockdown, that straight right and sat him to his butt, we won that round. Yes, damage. It's damage. I mean, why, why, why wouldn't it be? It's the same in boxing. What did Brandon do differently? Did you notice anything different? Sorry, Matt. Did you notice anything different in Moreno in this fight? Yeah, I thought he was um, that spinning back sweet kick was different. On the cage, he was doing a, from the over-under position, he was putting the hand right up the crotch which kind of like stalls the fight out and it's hard to really move off the, off the cage in that situation. Um, Jimmy loves the crotch work. Well, yeah, it's, it's delightful. His boxing has always been on point. I mean, I've, 
we've known Moreno since 2015. And I think um, Moreno's biggest asset is everybody has underestimated him his entire career. I underestimated him uh, when he was here at Fight Ready. Uh, I remember how it went down. Uh, Henry was fighting for Miga, and I was in Brazil, and I had a fighter named Bruno Bulldog Silva, who's in the UFC now. And they said, hey, we're bringing up this Mexican kid. I think he was a purple belt at the time. I was like, who? Mexico, purple belt. No, 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 no. I'm bringing up a Brazilian black belt. And I, he brought, they brought up Moreno, and I brought up mine. I was like, we just never, he was, oh, you look at him and you underestimate him. Yeah. He gets on the ultimate fighter. He's the 16th seed. He wasn't supposed to be the 616, uh, but unfortunately the UFC kind of set us up uh, because what happened was, and not everybody knows this story, is then this is what truly happened. This is kind of why we kind of get, Henry and I feel, you know, like, man, we helped you out. And this is this is how you pay us back, I guess. Uh, I mean, Henry, I remember what happened to put Moreno on the show. We actually removed somebody and put Moreno on the Ultimate Fighter. It was my idea uh, to uh, so Moreno was training here, and Henry was being followed by UFC Embedded because we were getting ready to fight Demetrius Johnson, and he had a fight about two hours from here. And I said, Henry, you should be in his corner. And I think he had already offered him, but Henry was getting ready to fight the next week, Demetrius Johnson. I was like, no, let's go in his corner because UFC will bet it. We'll get Moreno winning and have a highlight. And then we can talk about getting him in the UFC. And he goes, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So we go down to Tucson. He's on UFC embedded. Henry's in the corner. Boom. We win. Henry Moreno wins. We got a highlight. He calls out Dana White on the mic. Put me in the UFC. Now we have a, a world regional world title. He lost to Demetrius Johnson. He gets put on the Ultimate 24. Well, Moreno has a world title, but they didn't pick him to be on the show, the top 16. So I said, wait a minute. I go, Henry, you don't know how much power you have. And the Ultimate Fight in Brazil, too, Minotaur was the coach, and we did this. Someone got hurt on the show first week, and they wanted to pull an alternate in. The UFC had an alternate, but I said, no, Minotaur. We want to bring our own fighter because I don't think we can do it. I go, yes, you can. Ask Dana White. Dana White says, because you're a legend, Minotaur, you can bring your own fighter. Ah. So we go to the ultimate fighter, and I said, Henry, you can do this. We, I've done it before the ultimate fighter, Brazil. Put your foot down and say you want Moreno on the show. He put his foot down, and they took somebody out of the, off, out of the hotel that was already there and put Moreno in. The problem was, is we didn't know the seeds on the pick on the day to choose. So I said, Henry, from a coach's position, if you were to pick Moreno and he, let's say he's ranked, we knew he wasn't 16th seed. We knew he was very good at this point. He's got, but nobody else knew. So I'm like, he's going to be around 11 or 12. I was like, let's pick him second. Because if we pick him first and he's like the 12th seed, then we give them fourth seed. And then they pick the number one seed and give us another a low seed and then they pick a and and then they pick another seed and uh and we start off with like 14 15 16 and they start off with 1 2 3 like the whole the whole season's already gone on the fir- on our first picks from a business decision i thought he was going to we were going to be able to pick Moreno second but the UFC screwed us the UFC wanted this drama nobody knows this and they said well if you're going to pick number 1 seed 
we're going to put Moreno 16 seed. So the day of the choice, Dana gets up there with his paper, and I'm sitting behind Henry, and I look at his paper, and I see who the number one seed is. Nobody knew the seeds. I saw Pantoja. Moreno, uh, Benavides wins the flip. He picks Tim Elliott. And Henry's like, I want to pick Moreno. I was like, but then they're going to get Tim Elliott and then the number, uh, a high, another high seed. I was like, you've got, let's pick Moreno second. Pantoja's number one. He's still on the board. Let's pick Pantoja. I convinced him to pick Pantoja. And guess who was 16th seed? Moreno. So now his best friend, the guy that lives with him, the guy that we put on the show for us, gets sent to the other team and friendship destroyed and everything. But the most interesting thing was that night we went to the UFC. It was International Fight Week. We were VIP guests. And VIP Brass came up to us. First question they asked us, asked me, did you guys pick Pantoja, who was number one seed? And we said, yes. And they said, yes. They created the drama now. They made us, we didn't know what the seeds were, but they knew if we pick number one, you send your friend to the other side. And that is exactly what they wanted. And here we are six years later, still dealing with it. The UFC created a situation and, and we fell for it. Now, Eric, before we let you go, because we have Anthony Smith coming on, to, one question is, uh, I, first of all, I definitely want to see a fourth fight with these guys. I mean, one, one, and one. It, it's incredible. You never see this in, in MMA. I, I, we, do you have any idea of a time frame? And obviously, this has to be the next fight for both of them. I hope so. That's the money fight. You know what I think? I see Figueredo now that he, he beat him. Well, like I said, he underestimated him. We underestimated him. He got put out the UFC uh, out of the Ultimate Fighter show first. First fight, he's on a one-week notice. Louis Simoka underestimated Everybody that's underestimated him has beat, has gotten beaten by him. Figueredo underestimated him. Let him take his back. Underestimated him. The, sec the third fight, we did not underestimate him, and that's why Figueredo won. Fourth fight, the trilogy, the first in history. I guarantee a knockout by the God of War this time. There is no underestimation. Now, they're... Uh, the confidence is super high. He's Figueredo's down with it, believes in the system, knows to get here early, knows that the nutrition and cardio is the key and the tactics and the strategy. And we're coming to annihilate this next fight. Moreno versus uh, Figueredo four. four. First yeah. time in history. Yeah. Never been done. Four fights in a row. Let's do it. We're going to, this time, we're going to put the nail in the coffin. Quadrilogy, it's over. God of War. Is going to be uh, continue to be the Lord of the Flies. All right, Eric. Well, look, man, you got me pumped for it. I got to be honest. This is the only time I've ever wanted to see a fourth fight as badly as I do. Uh, incredible job you're doing. Uh, and next time you come back, we'll talk about all the other guys you have because you have a, an incredible roster and uh, you just you're doing such a great job, man. Congratulations. We got uh, we got Mark Matson here, Wei Lee, Figueroa. I got the Pitbull brothers in Brazil, two world champions, first time the brothers ever to have the Wilbur world champion. So we might have a four world titles this year. Captain Eric, you're doing something right, brother. Yeah. We're taking over. You know, it's not just, it's not just me. It's the whole team uh, from uh, Eddie Cha, Santino DeFranco, Alan Byers, my guys in Brazil, you know, Mano Santana, uh, all these guys. It's the combination of the two teams. It's the international flavor. Um, I speak multiple languages so I can bring that all together. And uh, I think that's the key.
Congrats, homie. Yeah. Well, definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll talk to you soon, man. Congratulations and uh, and to Figueredo for such a great fight. And I thought uh, uh, he deserved the fight. And uh, we'll talk to you again, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. up hey man how long have you had that setup you have a good mic and everything like that are you do what are you doing now that you have that great setup at home uh i've had this since i started the uh sirius xm show so shit going two and a half years now oh I, you know what i just haven't seen you use it or if i did i forgot because my memory sucks what is your sirius xm show uh it's uh channel 156 on tuesdays uh it's fight nation so yeah, it's a lot of fun. My, RJ Clifford's my co-host. You know, he does some of the production stuff. Like he's with Megan and and Laura Senko a lot. Uh, he stage manages for the the pre and post shows for us a lot of times too. Hey, let me ask you something because Jimmy was bringing this up, and he out of all the Van Damme movies, Jimmy goes, "Why Lionheart? It's the worst movie." And he's got the nickname. <laughs> he goes, Why can't it be Anthony Hard Target? Fucking Smith, but no. He picks Lionheart. How did you get Lionheart? Hard Target is probably one of my favorite Van Damme movies with their shitty New Orleans accents. And <laughs> I liked Hard Target. I, I don't too. remember it. I've never seen it. Jimmy. What, Matt? I'm sorry. You got to watch it. You, you got to. Hard Target? What's that? No, I've never heard of it. Oh, man. You got to watch it. Anyways, the, the Lionheart thing. It's it's less about the quality of the movie. I do I do like that movie a lot, but um, I there was a uh, I was I was an amateur. It was probably like halfway through my amateur career, and I was I was fucking trash, dude. I was terrible. I would just get the shit beat out of me. But I was okay at jujitsu, kind of for for that level. So I would just take beatings, and then I would catch like slick ass submissions like towards the end of the fight. So it's and and like the storyline kind of behind that movie is just a guy fighting in all these weird kind of back-ass places for money. And that's kind of what I was doing. And and I wasn't good. And you know how like Van Damme, he would lose every fight till the very end and then he'd win it. I was just fucking around, Anthony. I thought you really named it after the movie. <laughs> no, I wasn't it wasn't me. It was uh it was a it was like the the ring announcer had 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 worked a couple of my fights and he was like, man, you really remind me of that movie. And I was like I'm not. And I asked him why. And that's what he tell, you know, he's like, well, you know, the story's a little bit similar and, and, you know, Van Damme loses until he does it. And he's like, that's, uh, so he kind of offended me at the same time as <laughs> giving me a cool nickname. But that's so funny. Honestly, I just thought you went with yeah. Lion Oak cause heart of a lion. I didn't know it was with that. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. It's actually from the movie. That's great. Oh, it pays to be a, a movie buff.
Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. And we, we've been talking look a lot, Anthony, obviously, about the Nganu Ciro Gan fight, yes. Figueredo Moreno. What did you think? Uh we had our take on on the uh on what happened in that fight. What did you think of it in Ganu Gone and why it went the way it went? You know, to you know, I had Eric Nixick on my show yesterday. Um, really, really impressed with that guy. There was a lot of opportunities, I think, for him to I don't know. I think I think some coaches in this business would have said, oh, we were totally planning on wrestling and, you know, just and made it look like they're geniuses. And I was honest and said, here, here here's how I looked at it. Francis looked the worst I'd ever I'd seen him since the first Stipe fight in the first two rounds. He looked tired. He, he looked really slow, um, you know, come to find out he did have the injury. So maybe that has something to do with his explosiveness that we didn't see. Um, but he, he just didn't look good. He wasn't moving well. He, he, he looked lost. He had that weird lost look on his face. Uh, and I think he slipped on a banana peel and ended up in top position, you know, with like no one, when you underhook the leg like that on a takedown, that's almost never on purpose. It just ends up there. And so you use it, but um, he ended up in top position. And I think they, I think they realized right then that he was having a hard time getting up off the bottom. Uh, and, and Eric, uh, totally agreed with me. He said in the third, after the third round, he said, Hey man, I think we're onto something here. Let's, let's try to go get another takedown. Um, it just, it wasn't the fight I wanted to see. I don't think it's the one anyone wanted to see, but I, I, I would never knock, uh, a guy, especially the champion of the world for doing what he had to do to get a win. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I also wondered why gone. Cause Matt was, was talking about Matt. You can give your take on it too. Like obviously you thought it was the fifth round, but I thought, why did Cyril let it get to that point when he was up to nothing, having a, a executing what he wanted to that, that credit in Ghana with, with taking three and four. And I think Cyril let off the gas a little bit, but I think it's because he was tired. I, I was definitely disappointed in the conditioning of both those guys. Um, Cause Cyril's up until that point has looked pretty good, but with a guy like Francis, um, you know, in my breakdown, I said, uh, Cyril Gaon's not going to be able to just evade and just stay on the outside the entire time with Francis. It's you're kind of playing with fire there. 25 minutes is a hard, it's a long time without getting hit. So, um, I, I suspected that at least what I would do, uh, and what I've done with big, powerful guys that just want to throw bombs, you avoid as much as you can. And then when you kind of get closed down, when they start to blitz, you just jam them and you just meet them in the middle. And then you fight in that kind of clinch situation. I think the clinch positions and the, the cage wrestling and that, you know, fighting all that on the fence, I think they just gassed themselves. I think they gassed each other. So, um, man, I was so disappointed in Cyril though. You know, he gets a, shoots a nice single leg, uh, right in the middle of the octagon gets top position and then falls back for a heel hook. Like what? <laughs> If you're a fucking black belt, you don't do that. You keep the top position, stay on top, win the round, and go take your title. Um, so low percentage, especially if you're not really good at it. The fact that he did that is see that my thing is this. He, that was that, you, you blame that on fight IQ. I mean, that was really just one of the worst decisions from maybe me rushing in on Shoney Carter and getting back this twenty times. You you make some silly decisions in there, but that's a rough one. I mean, it came down to this is what this is the thing. It's not so much Francis winning this fight as Ciro Gon losing it. it. It came down to the fifth round, and Eric is an awesome coach, and he said the right things in that corner. Uh, I remember I was motivated. I'm like, all right, that's good. Either it didn't get through, or Francis just it didn't. He was too tired. The corrections that were made in the between the fourth and fifth round for the winning for the to, who's going to make the corrections. Cyril Gon made the correction. Yeah. Well, he put, all right, 
he's getting me down. You know what? Fuck this. I'm putting him down. And he mm-hmm. did put him down early in the round. Right. Then, to quote Robert De Niro from the movie Copland, he blew it! <laughs> he fucking blew it! What's the matter? You're not Ryan Hall, Zero Gone. What are you doing? Right. The title's four minutes away. Three, three thirty. Lay down with the leg. Amazing. Like, at least when Ryan Hall does it, he has the what people don't understand about heel hooks. Uh, and and Matt gets this. Like, there's a whole system that goes behind that. You you're either sweeping with them or you're attacking with them. You 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 have to be doing both because the set, especially in MMA, if you lose the heel you need to turn that immediately into a sweep so that you don't stay on your back. If you don't understand the concepts of, of how the leg locks and the leg entanglements work, uh, just falling back for a heel. Uh, when you're sweaty, both guys are tired. Like it's, it's, it's really stupid. You know what I mean? It's so stupid. And what do you mean turn it into a sweep? Cause I, I'm not a fighter. So when you say turn it into a sweep, what would have been the right thing for him to do when he wasn't getting it? Well, well, once you, so once, once you fall back to the heel, once those guys slip their heel, which is, you know, you got to hook the heel, attach it to your chest, and then you start turning. But um, once you slip the heel or the opponent, the guy you're trying to submit slips his heel, you got to move his leg. You either got to elevate it. You got to put it on your own shoulder, but you have to use the leg entanglement that you're still in. Just because you lose the heel doesn't necessarily mean that you lose the position that you're in. So you then have to use, you have to turn that from a submission attempt into a sweep. or you're going to be stuck on your back. And that's exactly what happened. Um, thank God Francis Ngannou was too tired to just stand over Cyril Ghan and just crush his skull into the, into the octagon mat. But, um, you know, we play with those kind of positions a lot. Those are a lot of Hail Mary situations, like in the octagon. If we're, if we're playing jujitsu when I'm in a tournament or something, that's a totally different story. But if we're in an MMA fight. That's a, that's a Hail Mary situation. And if you, the second you lose it, you have to beat him to the top or you just lost the whole position. Do you think he was too tired to pound Francis too? Because if you, if you, I was wondering why he went for that instead of staying on top and trying to ground a pound. I, I think some of it is, I think, you know, I think he's gotten one in an MMA fight. And I think, you know, like sometimes wrestlers fall in love with their overhands and they just keep going to it over and over and over. Um, so I think it's, it's worked for him once. Um, I think there's a possibility that maybe in their previous grappling sessions, maybe he'd caught him, maybe caught him then. Um, but I talk about the home run mentality all the time. Uh, and that some of that comes behind fear. Um, you know, like guys just want to get out of there so goddamn bad that they they just make terrible decisions. When, like mentally, if you're to say, all right, there's a there's a 30% chance I can finish this heel hook, but there's a 70% chance that I can hold him down and win the round for four minutes, that four minutes feels like a lifetime. So sometimes I think people will decide to take the chance to try to get the finish rather than go the hard, take the hard road. Uh, that's probably more likely to win you the fight, but it's really fucking hard to do. If it's a lifetime for France, if we're fucking Cyril gone on top, it's an eternity for Francis on bottom. For sure. Fucking dead. And he showed no glimpse of getting up. It's None. not like, all right, got down to the fifth round. Oh, he got that run the hook and he got on top and he wins the fight. No, Cyril gone royally fucked up. He was flat too. That's if he was, if he had a deep underhook and he was sitting up and he had his head up under Cyril's chin and Cyril went for some crazy shit before he was losing the position anyways, then I'd shut up and I wouldn't say anything, but like he was flat on his back. He w- it wasn't moving his hips. He wasn't shrimping. Like 
Francis wasn't going anywhere. Wasn't going anywhere. And, he, and, that, and it cost Cyril, the, 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 he cost him the fight. Well, and then you see these people online saying, well, now Francis and Ghanu scissors, it was a scissor sweep. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Say that. I had a couple callers call, call into my show telling me how crazy I was because I said it was, uh, that it was Cyril's fault for giving that position up. Like, people are, there's a lot of people out there that believe that that was a Francis and Ghanu scissor sweep. Well, I mean, who did? Who's that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one that knows what they're looking at for sure. No, man. I, I listen again. I, I would like to see those guys go at it again. Eventually. If I hope Francis sticks around and yeah, you know, me too, but I wasn't super impressed with it. But again, listen, I don't want to give him too much. If the guy had a bad ACL, whatever it was. Yeah. A miracle that he just got in there. So again, I'm not, I'm not crapping on Francis. I mean, but I'm just calling it how I, how I seen it. So, and look at Cyril God walking out of there without even, he even scratched up. I know. You know what I mean? I know. And credit to him. I mean, he, there's not too many guys out there that can say they stood in front of Francis and Ghanu for the first two rounds of that fight and, and kind of lived to talk about it. I, I thought his movement looked good. His, you could tell he was really, really weary at the beginning, like ducking his head and kind of just bailing and you know what I mean? And I get it, but you know, he did something that no one's been able to do up to this point other than I guess, you know, Derek Lewis, but <laughs> that doesn't, you know, that, and I don't think either one of those guys threw any punches. Have, have you had, because uh, you talked about Francis looked, and I, and I agree with you, he didn't look on, whatever that is for a fighter. You could see that there was something where it was, it was sluggishness in the eyes. or whatever. Have you had that in, in the cage? Yeah, yeah, I have. And, and sometimes it's just not your night. You know, like sometimes you wake up and it's just not your day. You know, the, yeah. we, I think everyone has bad days at work. I think even when there's no serious problems going on, I think sometimes everyone out there just wakes up and just they're just not feeling like I just don't fucking have it today. I'm just not feeling it. It's not a big deal when you got a regular job and you can just phone it in and no one will even right. know the difference. Um, you know, I, I think I had one of those days when I fought John Jones. It just for whatever reason, I just didn't have it. I just woke up and it just wasn't there. You know, well, and sparring, Anthony, you know, like sometimes you get like a, a sparring day. You're like, man, I hope I don't have this kind of sparring day on, on like a day like this when I fight and. And normally you don't, you're normally you're channeled in, but there are days when that's why sometimes I, I think fighters overthink a lot of some losses when they're like, man, maybe you just chalk it up to a bad fucking day. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and sometimes you get lucky and you can still get a win. You know, I, I, I had one of those days when I fought Vulcan Ozdemir too. And it just, man, I remember being in the third round and I, I remember specifically think Mark Montoya was giving me some instructions. I remember thinking, man, it doesn't matter. Like I'm just having a shit day. Like I'll just, I'm just going to go fight him. Like all the, technical instructions like throw yeah. it out the window like i'm just gonna go fight this fucking guy because whatever we worked on that's been working the entire training camp it's just not working today so we'll just go figure it out on the fly is, is it being tired or is it like a mental fog that's not about being tired it's just like a little like you're just not seeing things well or you can't clear your head yeah some you know it's it's sometimes you'll see it coming and your body your body just doesn't react like you're not processing it fast enough you know, it's like you see the you see the technique or the punches that you guys are worried or that you guys have been working on or whatever. And, and like sometimes you just have a brain fart and it just crushes, you know, and then it crashes into your face. And then and then you get frustrated, like, well, I seen it and I just stared at it. <laughs> you know, it's right. just, you know, and sometimes you just it, and sometimes it depends on your weight cut. You know, I don't cut a lot of weight. and I, I know Francis. I don't think he cuts a lot of weight either, but um, at least like water weight. I don't think he's crashing down a bunch of weight at the end. but. Um, yeah, it's just, you get kind of foggy and, and, and honestly, there's some times where 
I've been in there and sometimes it's more work to get out of the way of the punch than just to take it. And it's just, you're just like, fuck it. You know, I'll just, I'll just eat it and give him one back. It's so funny, man. Uh, I, I, now you're not a shit talker at all, but I remember specifically two situations in the octagon when you're talking and it just kind of stands out one good and one not so good for you, but it was still, it was still entertaining as shit. One was with Hector Lombard. When he, you felt that he said he didn't know your name and you were putting it on him and you're like, yeah. you know my name now, Hector? Hector, you know my name? Hector, you know my name? And he wouldn't let him go. He wouldn't, he wouldn't just, Hector didn't, you know, didn't answer, but he wasn't letting him go with it. He was, no. dude, you, Hector, do you know? He, was, he wasn't letting him go. Obviously, he knew his name. But yeah. he, was, he wasn't. He was not letting him off the hook. And that mm-hmm. was kind of cool to see. And then the other one was with the champ, who you probably, yeah. you all do, Glovick, Nixera, where you, were, you started off phenomenal, yeah. Then you went south, and then you got Glover saying, "Hey, man, it's only business." You're like, "Oh, man, I get it." Like, no, I, I forgot what you do. You remember what you said to him exactly? Yeah, you know, I honest, I talk to a lot of my opponents. I really do. Yeah. And it's it's not always shit talking. Like the Glover thing, we talked most of that fight, like at least at least a couple times around. Um, when I got my teeth knocked out in that fight, was because I was talking. Um, I wasn't biting down on my mouthpiece. Like he said something because I think in a, like a pre-fight thing, he had said. Well, if I, you know, if I get on, if I get him on the ground, there's no chance that, that I don't submit him. And, you know, as a black belt myself, I get, I get kind of offended by that, but it was, it was, it was really respectful the way that he said it though. So it wasn't like I was mad. It was more like, all right, motherfucker. Okay. We'll play this game. So we grappled a little bit and I said, I thought you were going to submit me. And he goes, oh man, your jujitsu a lot better than I thought. What? <laughs> <laughs> And so then uh, I go to, I go to say something like to respond to him. Like I kind of giggled and went to talk. And as soon as I opened my mouth, he hit me with an elbow and it just hit me right in the, right in my teeth. Um, so that's when he knocked my teeth out. Um, but then uh, it was the, yeah, it was the fourth round and he was kind of on my back and he was just throwing bombs. And that's when I handed my teeth to the referee because they were like rolling around in my mouthpiece. So I gave the referee my teeth uh, and Glover said, Hey, sorry, man. It's, it's, it's only business. And I was like, <laughs> it is what it is, buddy. <laughs> it is what it is. How many did he knock out? Two. Wow. You had the wherewithal to take him out and hand him to the referee. Yeah. Well, they were stuck in my mouthpiece and then he'd hit me with like a real hard shot and it jiggled him out of my mouthpiece. So then my, that's why my mouthpiece was kind of rolling around in my mouth. Once you lose, like there's, they're so my mouthpiece is so tight and custom fit to my mouth. Once I lost the two teeth, it didn't fit anymore. Um, so then he hit me again and my, the teeth fucking popped out right on the mat in front of me. So I just grabbed him and I don't know why it was just my, I think it's your instinct. You know, yeah. I just grabbed him and then I was like, well, shit, now I have two teeth in my hand and, and I need to get rid of something. So I just handed him to Jason Herzog. Yeah. There's a piece of you on, on, on the canvas, <laughs> even though it's teeth, it's still, it probably is just an instinct to get it, to do something with it instead of just leaving it there. Yeah. How about Glover? You called him the champ. Isn't that crazy? When you, when you said the champ, I was thinking John Jones, uh, and it, just because I talked to John the whole time and he was so pissed about it. Uh, I called John a pussy the whole time, the entire time we were fighting. And it got to him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he mentioned it afterwards where it just, he, it was just, it bothered him, you know, like he hit me with a hard shot or something. I'm like, come on, John, I thought you were the champion of the world. Like, what are we doing here? You got to be better than that. Um, but, uh, it, that's crazy that, that Glover, Glover to share is the goddamn champion of the world, man. What a. Every time I see him, it's, I mean, this last, uh, at UFC 270, at this last pay-per-view last weekend, uh, he was wearing one of my t-shirts at media day. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. He's it's just fantastic dude, man. 
couldn't be happier for that guy. Yeah. It's a great story too, you know? Mm -hmm. What do you, what do you think too about, uh, I'm looking forward to a uh, Brunson Cannoneer. I'm really yeah. looking forward to that fight. Um, Brunson has looked incredible in, in his last five fights. What do, what do you think about that fight? Man, I, I've, I've had a lot of fun uh, watching Derek Brunson's kind of resurgence. You know what I mean? And, and he's, as he's gotten a little bit older, I think people do forget that, you know, Derek Brunson's almost 40 years old. So uh, he's had to adapt his style, I think, a little bit. Um, I mean, how many fights in a row did he go knocking people out with that big left hand? And now he's kind of kicked it back to his wrestling base and his roots. And, and it's, it's been, he's been super successful in on, and people don't give Kevin Holland enough credit. That dude's a black belt in his own right. Um, he, he's all, I mean, obviously he's primarily a striker, um, but he has a fantastic jujitsu coach and, and he's a credible black belt. So, you know, Brunson controlled him on the ground the whole time was never any danger on the, on the ground at all. Um, but Cannoneer is a goddamn monster. The only guys that really made him look bad were Whitaker, maybe, you know, like that's uh, a, it's a tough fight for anyone in the division. I'm excited. I'm excited. If he can, if he can stop a takedown, Derek Brunson's going to have a tough night. Um, it's going to, it's going to be a lot harder than, than I, than I think he expects, but it, God damn that dude, he, he doesn't get turned away on takedowns very often. So, and I think, I think Kane and so, so big and muscle bound. If Derek can get a couple, if he can get a couple takedowns early and take some heat off of him, uh, I, I think he can cruise to a decision after that. You, uh, they wanted us to mention too, before we forget, uh, a co-host on, on Bisping's podcast. Now, are, are you going to be doing that temporarily or permanently? Uh, I, I think right now I'm going to do one episode a week permanently. Um, That's great. With Bisping. God damn, that, that thing is so much fun. Believe you me podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Bisping, he's been doing like uh, kind of like, like guest host spots for a while. Rotating, and, yeah. Yeah, he's been just rotating them and, and his his kind of fan base and, and viewers have really, really, really enjoyed when it was him and I. Um, and it's it's just really loose and fun and, and there's it's not super structured. You know, there's some things we talk about that we, you know, we, we talk MMA and then things we have to get to. But I mean, we were the last time, I, you know, we did it together. It was it was some of the most random shit in the world. We talked about Betty White and uh I think that was right when uh, Bob Saget had passed. We talked about that for a long time. And, and you know, we just kind of talk about whatever's going on, like some a lot of non-MMA stuff. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's awesome. He, him and uh, I just did his old partner's uh, podcast, Yo MMA Rap. With, uh, oh, Lewis, yeah. Lewis, yeah. Because they were together for a long time. But uh, so then they went their separate ways, respectfully, you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people grow apart. And sometimes people like me and my little Jimmy, Jimmy, I pick you up in my arms right now. If I we grow closer. We, we grow closer. Yes, we do. Jimmy. Yes. You guys have been killing this for a while. Oh, you're great. I've been, I've been loving it. I'm pissing into a cup as we talk, by the way. So I you appreciate are, that. Aren't you? It's professionalism. <laughs> you tell what you're doing. Wait, What's that? What's right now? Wait, wait. You can't I can't. Wait. I can't. There. There you go. I can't. Oh, we got Weidman in the waiting room. Yeah, now. I can't. I can't wait. For Weidman. Yeah. Let's bring him on. I know. Let's oh, talk fuck. to Weidman. Let's bring him on. Stay on. Are you taking off? Are you hanging out with us? No, I'll, I'll hang out. Yeah, I'll hang out. I, I literally, as I was lifting it, I hit the cup against the edge of my desk and I got piss on my desk. Let's so check. What, you yeah. are so <laughs> The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters 
both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. There he is! What's up? What up, dude? I'm chilling. I'm chilling. How are you? Hanging out. I miss you, Weidman. Oh, Anthony Smith is here, too? (laughs) What's up? Wow, I expected Norton and Matt, but Anthony, I didn't expect. This is great. Special guest appearance. All my buddies. You guys are buddies. Why, man, I miss you here in Long Island, buddy. We went to Eddie's. Me, Vellante, Ray Janelle, Longo. I go, we're missing somebody here. My heart. You gotta, That's what you're starting with? I was, I was jealous. And Vellante had a post on Instagram. He had a post it, and he wrote why, like something about me missing you guys. Uh yeah, I, I miss that, man. I miss that. I mean, to make me okay with it, I mean, how many times a year will we really doing that? To make you feel better, we only do it a, a, two to three times a year. We don't do it too much. <laughs> that, is that too much we do it? That's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot. <laughs> we, do it, we do it maybe two times a year, maybe once. But uh, I'll tell you, next time you're in town, we're going to do that. Look at, look at this, though. Look at this painting. Look at you. What is that? That's from Medellin, Colombia. And when the gang wars were going down, and when I went, I, I just went there uh, to bioaccelerator for stem cells. And Al's there right now. I went there. He's down at Medellin, Columbia to get stem cells. But this, I went to this hood. It was the poorest place in all of Colombia, Comuna 13. It's called this like the favelas of Brazil, besides it worse, apparently. And uh, when Pablo Escobar was around, he had all these wars. His gangs had wars with the government and the president and, a lot, uh, and you know, the whole government and the police and stuff. And the uh, and and a lot of kids were getting murdered. And this kid, half of his face is happy because he remembers when the kids were flourishing and life was good. And the other side of his face is sad. And the only thing that kept him through those hard, gone through those hard times was was painting. That was his one joy. And grenades. The grenades. Well, the grenades depict like all the kids getting killed. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. And so you're crazy, right? I'm not into paintings, but I was explaining that. I was like, I want it. Yeah, that's a story and a painting. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's brought this shit way down. Yeah. Wow. God damn. <laughs> yeah. It's all right, man. When you walk, when you walking around, did everybody know you there? Are they all MMA fans? Actually, yes. I was, I was very surprised that UFC is big in Colombia. I didn't, I didn't, I kind of was expected it not to be. Um, a lot of people did stop me, and um, apparently, apparently, a lot of like, you know MMA is mainstream there. Now, Anthony, have you gotten stem cells at all, or is this your first time, Chris? I'm fascinated with this. Um, yeah, so I've done I've done stem cells before, um, a bunch of times, and I don't know, it never really worked. Um, but the place in Colombia, because it's not in America, could do give way more stem cells than what you're allowed to give here because like the fda you know what whatever ordinance i don't think it's fda that's food right i don't know you guys know what i'm talking about <laughs> <laughs> you know man i got the stem cells out here i got the shitty stem cells 
I just got the shitty stem cells. Yeah, they, yo, they do. Yo, Matt, you should get out there. They'll take you in. It's an expensive procedure, but you'll get. They'll take care of you. They're they're awesome. They're, the stem cells legitimately work. Sure. Do they take insurance? Or- <laughs> no. They'll they'll work out a deal with you because you're famous, uh, whole famer. Well, I mean, I found out my shoulder has arthritis too. Son of a gun. Really? Yeah, my left shoulder. I went in the other day. I'm like, what the fuck. And he goes, oh, man, you're going to need a new one of these soon. I go, wow, the fuck? Is, is it hurting when you're rolling and stuff? Yeah, more when I'm sleeping. No, nah, I was strangling guys yesterday. I feel good. I feel, <laughs> but yeah, listen, I might, my, my, when you see me walking around, my knees are fucked. You know what I mean? But so, but, but it helps out a lot. It, it, it really helps out a lot. Yeah, they do. You're covering your mic here, buddy. I think you're probably resting it on your knee. Ah, crap, my bad. Yeah, it, it helps, it helps out a lot. Get it together, Chris. Jesus. You're a professional podcaster. Get it together. I'm, I'm about to work out with Tom over there. Look at him. Nice. Is that I Tom? busted up his ears. He's hurting right now. He's got fresh cauliflower ears, so he's putting headgear on. Give Tom a plug. Who's Tom? Tom Tom Lane, undefeated professional mixed martial artist, all-American <laughs> wrestler. From Long Island. I met him. I met him in NC. He did the Rand Combat. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the locker room. Hey, Wyman, you need to you need to remind Tom that he never took me down the whole time. Remind no, him he that. knows. Tom, you know you never took down Anthony. <laughs> Yo, he's not ready for this type of level of podcast. This is intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get a word. He can't. He's stumbling. I feel bad. I'm not going to point the camera over there again. Wyman, is he fighting on the 18th? With uh... Bro, I need someone on my podcast. This kid won't even come on my podcast. I'm stuck this week. I'm like, Tom, come on the podcast. He was like, I'm not ready for that. No, no. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, it's like a kid who don't think he can swim. You got to throw him right in. Yeah, I know. Anthony, was you, you said you took stem cells. What, what You said you got the shitty stem cells. Yeah, I, I did. I got the shitty stem cells. I was supposed to actually, Chris put me on to his, his Columbia spot. Um, but when I was getting ready to get mine after my last fight, I was hurt. Um, my wife was, my wife was still pregnant. So like she was due at any time. So I couldn't just jet out and go to Columbia. Um, so I just had to get the ones here. Uh, and then I ended up with staph infection. That's why I've been out so long. Are you kidding me? From yeah, the dude, stem cell injection? I don't know if it was from the stem cell injections. It, it was, I had like, we did PRP, then we did the stem cells. And then because I was already going to be out eight weeks, they're like, well, let's just go in and do this scope and clean up all that bullshit. Um, and then a week later, I had a wicked staph infection like in the joint. So then they had to go back in, clean it all out, flush it, trim all the infectious material. And then I was on like IV antibiotics at home with my wife giving me IV meds and for like six weeks. Are you kidding me? It was awful. I know you had to get Uzada approval on IV, which is crazy. Dude, yeah, dude. I had this pick line like a port in my arm the whole six weeks. So then I was trying to travel and I was tra- I was still like working the desk for the UFC. And I like I had syringes and flushes and like all these meds and, and like I had to travel with <laughs> I was using my wife's breastfeeding little cooler bag thing to keep the meds yeah. cold. So yeah. it looked like I was traveling with breast milk everywhere. <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Jim likes that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do anyway. I, do, I travel with it casually. Yeah. Oh, uh, wait. P- <laughs> PRP, is that when they do something to your... What, are they, what is that? Is that when they do so they spin the blood a little bit and then put yeah, it back in? Yeah, they, they take the blood and then they do some fancy shit. They spin it um, and then something with the platelets and then they re-inject it into the injury site. I've had that done to my dick. I've had PRP on my dick. Like, I, I swear to God. Because you, Are you, you serious? Can, 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. You you go to this place and they kind of give your dick like little zaps, and it kind of it helps give your dick more sensitivity. Because mine, both trust, I had fingerprints in it. It was just no good anymore. <laughs> but uh, but these, <laughs> but I'm telling you, this gives you more sensitivity. It actually helped the PRP. I almost vomited when they put the needle in, but it does actually help. So uh, speaking of that, I have a buddy, and I will I'll I'll I'll, I'll keep him nameless for now, just because sure. I think he might be embarrassed to go in public. But he's an older dude. And he went, he went to Columbia, he got the stem cells in his penis. He, he was struggling for, you know, 10 years or so where he had to take uh, Viagra or something like that to, yeah. uh, to get it up. He goes, since I got that stem cell injection, I haven't popped one of those pills. And I am like a 13-year-old boy all over again. Really? Let's, let's bring up wow. the 16-year-old boy. It sounds better. <laughs> hey now, now let me ask you why well, when you go over there is it all right you get off the plane you go to the place they just like get a needle and they just shoot you full of shit i mean what do you do i mean what is that it I mean, no just- so it's almost like a it's almost like a wellness vacation you go there on monday you have to stay till friday and you do massages you do hyperbaric chambers they you know they they come to your room that's attached to the actual uh uh office you, like the, there's a hotel that's attached to it and you walk over and it's beautiful. It's in a beautiful, very safe part of town. And, uh, they, they, they walk you from your room to the, to the office. They take care of you in there all day. You see tons of different doctors. Okay. Uh, they'll inject basically anything that you need injected, anything that's ever bothered you in your career, you get injected, anything. They do hair, by the way, they do injections in the hair. You might have new hair. They do everything, your face, they get rid of wrinkles. And it's like the strongest, best stem cells you can get on the planet. Well, what are what are normal like stem cell injections like in the states? What is it like? Ten thousand stem cells per injection is like what what it's capped at. Yeah, but in like Colombia, it's like ten million per injection, right? Yeah, per injection, you end up getting I don't know. I think I got close to like three hundred million cells throughout that week. Wow, because you do multiple injections and stuff, you know. Are they grown or are they from somebody? Does that freak you out? Like getting somebody else's stuff in you? They they have like they they have volunteers and they pay the women I believe that um, usually between twenty one and like thirty one year old women that have a baby and they donate it. they 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 donate their uh, placenta maybe oh. umbilical cord um, umbilical right it's cord. umbilical cord right it's all like it's like embryonic stem cells yeah it's like the best stem cells to get so they make sure that these women are very healthy and you know you know uh, just did everything right I tried to tell my wife to let me keep her umbilical cord but she told me to fuck off. <laughs> Show me stop asking stupid questions. <laughs> they do. They like eat the placenta. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. I had no interest in that. Listen, sorry. <laughs> We're talking eating placentas. Hey, fucking Weidman, how how strict are they there? If I go down there and go, hey man, I got you I got to, to, to my two knees, you can fix my shoulder. How much degree you to supersize my cack? Wait, yes, you could do everything. You can do that? See, listen. We get a special deal here. I got my two knees, the shoulder. How much to fucking get a baby arm? Have <laughs> this fucking thing. Sorry. Dude, let's keep talking. Just keep plugging Bio Accelerator. Show them some love. Uh, and uh, I think we'll make it happen. All right. Yeah. Well, look, before I let you go, when they shoot the dick, how many, uh, my shoulders are fine. When they shoot the dick, is it one needle and you go home or are you there for the whole week like that? No, too? apparently on the dick, it's just one shot. But they, they, part of the whole process is you got to be there all week because they do a lot of things to help bring that information in your whole body. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I want in and out. They got good food there too, Matt. Yeah? 
really good food. Really good. No GMOs. It's one of those places like you go to Italy and um, you eat whatever you want. You could have pastas. And because it doesn't have the GMO in the food, you, you don't really feel bloated and feel crappy at this. Like we feel here. Colombia. And there's good looking people there too. I didn't, I, you know, I don't even look at things like that. Me Madam neither. Me neither. <laughs> say, say hi, Uncle Pat. Yo, what's up, kid? Yeah. Colton had his first wrestling tournament. And, uh, you have to change, change that shirt and get a slice of pizza on that shirt. What am I looking at that stay fresh? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Broccoli. You like broccoli? Yo, you see what he's doing here? He's talking to you, but he's not listening. You know why? Because he's trying to get this thing to turn on the iPad. I understand. These kids are upset. Look, he's clicking like a madman. Oh, he got so big, man. <laughs> yeah. Stop clicking it. It's dead. <laughs> did you enjoy the wrestling tournament? He only talks to me I when it dies. Yeah, now, see, now he's out of an outburst. Get out of here. You enjoyed his tournament? They did, man. These kids, it was... It's been, you know, like almost two years since my kids have competed in wrestling. It was, it was awesome bringing them back there, having them in that grind, you know. Yeah. Colton, it was his first though. It was CJ's first time in two years. Oh, that's great, man. That's so great. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Well, what do you guys want to plug? Hey, hey let's. We want to plug Wyman. Bio accelerator. Get <laughs> Columbia Medellin. <laughs> stem cells. <laughs> um, other than that, uh, just Chris Wyman Instagram and. Twitter and tw uh, whatever else social media there is in the world, and uh, and Tom Lane, Tom Lane, there he is. Yeah, Tommy. Um, any though, any any good eighty five pounders that want to come down to the the Weidman torture chamber, the garage, just a couple mats. You know, you let's go. Hard. Let's get some training in there. What about a fat two hundred five er? Yeah, <laughs> Anthony, let's go. <laughs> Man, I am so heavy; it is ridiculous, dude. Are you out there? How big? Yeah, I'm like two thirty five. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, I mean, I was I was down. I wasn't able to do shit for like four months, so I'm I'm chunky. I can't see you fat though. You're not fat, fat, dude. You, you look you the want, same. You should see me on the desk though. My suit arms, like if I if I fucking lift my arms just a little bit, I'm busting out of that goddamn suit. Really? That's why I haven't been wearing a tie because I can't even button the top buttons on my. <laughs> on my God damn! There was one point I was walking around two thirty. Holy fuck! I was 30 pounds heavier than I am now, Weidman. Yeah. And and you used to get, you, know, you used to blow up in between fights to like weights like that and then trim down, just torture yourself to in a training camp. I don't recommend it. No. I had a problem. And you used to make 55 too. And he was going, he was, he was killing himself to make 70. Listen, Anthony, what do you want to plug, my friend? Nothing, man. I Nothing off the top of my head. Bisping, when are you gonna be on Bisping again? Yeah, uh, I don't know. We're, we got ATV the, companies. The do what? It was ATV companies that yeah, you Yeah, Polaris. Yo, hit a Polaris.com. That's a Tell big one. I sent you. That's a good one. Yo, Monster Energy, baby. Represent. <laughs> oh man, I can't get a monster don't like me. No, oh, they love you. They love you. No, I yeah. I wish, dude. I would rep the shit out of monster. I just I don't think you do interested. look like a monster guy to me. I that's what I thought. And I could do, and I do stupid redneck shit. Like, yeah. you know, me and Cowboy, we could, we could tear up a monster commercial. You're, you're way more monster than me, but, <laughs> but thank God for monster energy. I love monster energy. <laughs> Unleash the beast. As far as Bisping, I, I think we got to work out some stuff with the, with the network, just some scheduling and figure oh, out, okay. you know, figure out what day and then when they want to launch, it's kind of him and I together. But, um, yeah, Wyman, let me know uh, about next week on your show as well. Yeah, let's go. Don't back down podcast. I started when I say that. Let me say it's all right. It's won't back down, but it's the same thing. Doesn't matter. Won't back down. This is like Kevin can't wait. 
Remember when you used to try to like you would talk to us about Kevin Can Wait because I was on the Kevin Can Wait TV show. Yeah. But you always messed it up. You always were like the Kevin can't wait, right? Yeah, I didn't want him to wait. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We have so yeah. much fun on Unfiltered. Yeah, yeah. sure. Talking anything, I think we're all leaving. Yeah, just tonight, Comedy Cellar, 7 o'clock. I'm running my new hour. So if you're in town and you want to come, come. If not, I get it. Yeah, I love how you just looked at everybody in the crowd when you said that, Jim. You, you, you landscaped. <laughs> I, I really floor. did. And the bottom line, there's only three in the crowd right now, and that's probably what's going to happen tonight. So it was perfect preparation. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, Wyman and, and Anthony, if you want to check out the latest Dana White looking for a fight, my little bird doesn't support anything I do. But if you guys want to watch it's really it, a good episode. You know, Dean Thomas does shine. Okay. All right. Oh, 100%. When are you going to, you know what? I'm just saying, I think, I think, uh, Special appearance by Anthony Smith and Chris Weidman uh, is probably should be in the books. Hey man, Bisley was on there one time and we had a blast. That would be that would be so I much like fun. that, Anthony. Anthony, you, you I'm telling you, I, I got to be a team for both. You're of an us, idea guy. You're you an idea a, guy. You had a perfect opportunity to plug all your shit, and you're like, well, I don't know, monster. <laughs> <laughs> won't back down. Won't back down. My podcast won't back down. Let's go. There you go. The best. Good seeing everybody. Yeah, good seeing you guys. Thanks, Chris. Yes. Thanks, Anthony. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Great seeing you guys. Take care. See you guys. Okay, buddy. Be good. Matt, I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Jimmy. Bye, pal. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.